This is Sportsnet Today with Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Just wanted to jam out a little bit to that track. Good job, Cam. Sportsnet Today continues with you live from Adrenaline Source for Sports, 9309 McLeod Trail Southwest. We're down here celebrating Bauer Vapor's 25th birthday. It's Hype Fest, and the hype is real. Whole new level of hype. The Hyperlite 2 Skate maximizes quickness and agility, so you can be hyper unpredictable at a moment's notice. I have been accused, maybe guilty once or twice, of being fairly predictable in my offensive zone attacks. Hyperlite 2 might be, well, if anything that'll improve my skating will probably help. It's been a busy afternoon. We've had Jordan Dejani, Peter Galindo, John Hodge, and Deep Janda joined us in studio or in studio on the floor here at Adrenaline. Maddie Rose. We have Flames Talk family member Wes Gilbertson coming up a little later this hour for a little golf chatter of all things. Sports reporter, hockey reporter, and golf seems to go together. But before we get to him, we'll head down the Atlas Pizza Sports guest hotline to welcome in Craig Murs, NHL.com's correspondent in columbus craig thanks for joining us on a friday thanks Aaron. thanks for having me on tell me a little bit about the approach of the columbus blue jackets this offseason we're doing our nhl offseason rundown and of course the columbus blue jackets are always of interest when they're carrying a player from calgary <laughs> in the form of johnny goudreau but just first of all what has been your take on the approach of yarmo kekalainen and the columbus blue jackets this summer I think there's a lot of urgency. Um, Yarmo has two years left on his contract. They've hired a new coach, Mike Babcock, who has two-year contract. Um, if something doesn't happen in the next two years, like make the playoffs at the bare minimum, uh, there'll be a change, certainly at the GM spot for sure. So I think they're, they're, they're trying to rebuild or reset, but they also realize they really need some help, especially on defense, and they need some veteran players in there to help. They have a really good core of young players but they need some help and they went out and did that in the off season yeah the primary targets seem to be on defense revamping the blue line with the additions of damon severson and ivan provorov joining the fold uh the return of alexander tessier the drafting of adam fantilli overall from an nhl impact perspective how do you view the additions of severson and and provorov and what they might be able to add to the columbus blue line well they're going to add a lot just and the one everybody forgets about is they've added Zach Wierenski. You go, well, Zach's mm-hmm. been there for six years. He played the first 13 games last year and then was out for the year. So that's like adding a free agent player without spending any money. So to have really your best player, your best defenseman back this season, that's going to be a huge addition. You put Provorov in there probably on the second pairing. On the left side, you put Severson on with Wierenski to start with for the season. And suddenly you've got a heck of a lot better team than you had last season. Yeah, what was lost with uh, Zach Wierenski being out? Obviously, he's the premier defenseman on the Columbus Blue Jackets, a real team leader. He can touch both ends of the ice. How excited are they to have him back fully healthy? And what was what was gone? What was missing from the game plan when you aren't able to roll out a player of his caliber? Well, about 22, 23 minutes per <laughs> game to start with. And, and then you add in the, his uh, acumen on the power play. I mean, their power play was awful last year. One of the reasons was that he wasn't there to, to run it for him. As you may or may not remember, 
during the uh, pandemic season, he had 20 goals, led the NHL before the season was cut short. So he's got that capability to get that scoring, plus his defense. Um, it makes a world of difference. Plus, there just wasn't the leadership last season without him out there. You mentioned there's a coach on a two-year contract. The GM has two years remaining on his. Is that why we've seen such a push to bring in NHL-ready talent, particularly on that blue line? Because it's you're shoving the chips in if you're, you're Yarmo at this point because you don't have that long a leash to roll with? Yeah, I think absolutely that's that's correct. And it also helps out they have a, a great young player, uh, David Juracek, who was a number six mm-hmm. draft pick last season. That gives them a little opportunity. If he's not, we think, and what we saw from him last year, especially in the AHL, he should be ready to play in the NHL this season. But if he's not, that gives him more time. Let him settle in, maybe on the, the second pairing, because eventually he's going to be number one up there with Zach. But, uh, you know, having two extra defensemen, veteran defensemen in there, that really helps Juracek uh, as well. In your opinion, is the right approach? Like, you look at the Columbus Blue Jackets last season, only 25 wins, 59 points. But here they are pushing the envelope to try to make those jumps, those leaps as soon as possible, despite the fact that they've got one of the best U23 cores in the league. They're, they're, they're really sort of emphasizing more of a win-now mode instead of a patient-build mode. Yeah, and I think, you know, with Babcock in here, you know he didn't come in looking at this roster and say, you know, I'm willing to spend two years having a losing team. I think just that alone bringing him in here, uh, he's worth 10 or 12 points himself just over the replacement, uh, replacing Brad Larson. So that's going to help the team. Can they make the jump to the playoffs this next season? That's going to be very difficult. But I think they want to get a different culture in there, and that was the problem that Yarmo talked about when he let go of, of Larson. I mean, he used the words absolutely necessary to make a change. I mean, you don't hear very many GMs basically condemn the coach that was there and say, you know what, you didn't do the job. And uh, from that point on, you knew that something was going to change in the way they want to approach trying to win in the next couple of seasons. What was the reaction locally when it was Mike Babcock coming in to be the guy to replace Brad Larson? Babcock has a a history of being a hard coach. Uh, We all know how his tenure ended with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Just what was the vibe or the feel? And I know it was rumored for quite some time, but when it became official – what was sort of the feeling in Columbus from the fan base and maybe some of the players about the addition of Mike Babcock? I think because it was, like you said, rumored for so long, I think there's more of a soft landing and instead of it coming out of the blue. When it was first said, hey, this is going to be the coach, I think it might have been 60-40 in his favor. I mean, there were fans saying, you know what, I'm getting rid of my season tickets. I put a, up for a lot here, but I'm not going to do this with this coach here, and I don't want him and what he's done. There's others that said, you know what, we had – John Tortorella here. This mm-hmm. is kind of the same sort of guy, and we won with John Tortorella, and we want to win. So then, once it was officially announced on July 1st, Babcock came in, you know, did the press conference, did a lot of media stuff. I think he's winning the fans over. It's probably 75-25, maybe even a little bit greater than that. That the fans want him here. You've seen the additions that have been made to this point, both on the ice and as you mentioned behind the bench with Mike Babcock. Where does Columbus fit in this metro? Because I've been kind of studying it a little bit, and I'm sort of resigned to the fact that Columbus, or pardon me, Carolina's probably going to be in the running to win the division. New Jersey will be up there. I'm curious about the Rangers. Pittsburgh potentially yeah. making a jump where the New York Islanders fit. And then you've got Washington, Philly, and Columbus. Where do you see the Blue Jackets sort of fitting in terms of the competition in the metro? Well, you mentioned the other two, Philly and Washington. Mm-hmm. I think it's finished ahead of them. That would be a good start, but... You know, everybody else seems to be getting better. The Rangers, uh, I'm not really sure about. But Carolina, you know, is going to be great again. So 
it's going to be tough. Pittsburgh's going to be better. And, uh, you know, they need to win a cup here or try to get another chance at a cup with their players getting old. So the Jackets, five, six, probably. At worst, I would think, is what their goal is. I mean, really think they can be in the top four, even the top three in the conference right, or division right now, I don't think is uh, plausible. I want to ask you about some of the kids in a second, but I'd be resigned if I didn't bring up Johnny Gaudreau in his first season with the Columbus Blue Jackets. 21 goals, 74 points. I'm just curious how his impact was felt on that lineup and, and maybe in the fans' spectrum as well. Well, in terms of just the fans, I mean, the Blue Jackets were selling, I think they sold out 10 of the last 11 games. was the worst team in the league for much of the second half of the season. That's a Johnny Gaudreau effect. Fans bought season tickets when he came in, and then the season second season ticket sales the second half of the season. You know, they'd already bought them back in you know before the season started, but the fans were coming out at the end of the year and they were cheering for him. So from that regard, I mean, financially, you know, the, he paid off for the Blue Jackets in terms of the fans coming up. It was just spectacular the last two months of the season the way the fans came to the arena. And wasn't just tickets sold. They were actually in the building. So that was great for him. Um, I think he was maybe shocked like everybody else just in terms of the number of injuries that the Blue Jackets had. He'd never seen anything like it. Nobody had. You know, 563 games lost. The one thing he jokes about is he now knows every player in the system because every player in the system played for the Blue Jackets last season. Yep. You know, 40-some players came through. So, um, But on the ice, uh, it was tough. Patrick Lane goes out early with an injury, comes back, then he misses more games. They never really clicked as well as everybody thought they would. You know, he had a rookie like Kirill Marchenko come in and scored 20 goals for the Blue Jackets. Johnny was playing with him. So from that standpoint, it was a little bit difficult for him to really feel comfortable on the ice trying to find true line mates. And as everybody in the NHL knows, the Blue Jackets do not have a true number one center. And so that is a big problem. The 74 points, understandable given the situation, as you mentioned, and I think people in Calgary can be sympathetic after seeing sort of the off-ice adjustments that Jonathan Huberto had to go through. But what is the yeah. expectation for Johnny Goudreau in Season 2? Is it back to point per game? Is it back to 90 points? Is 100 points the expectation in market? What's sort of the bar for Johnny Goudreau in Year 2? I think minimum point per game. You know, if you play in 80-82 games, certainly that. I think he should be up at the 90 to the 100-point level with the offensive firepower they should be having this season. You know, in addition of Fantilli coming in there, mm-hmm. Ken Johnson should have a good second season for the Blue Jackets. Kirill Marchenko, I mentioned him. Patrick Bainet, he's only playing, you know, he's getting a point game, but he's missing 20 games a season for the Blue Jackets. If he's back and healthy, who knows what could happen. But I think, yeah, at a minimum, 80, 85 points and most likely start shooting for more than that. Let me ask you about his role with Line A, because I think from the outside looking in at Columbus, you go, okay, they've got arguably the best passer in the league, and they've got arguably the best shooter in the league. How did you see those two connect or maybe not connect early on in the season? Yeah, it was difficult early on. And then the other thing is Johnny likes to shoot on the power play from the left. Lina, you know where he sets up. Mm-hmm. He sets up in the left dot. So, you know, they had to work that out, and Lina seemed to win out for the most part on that. But just they, they never really clicked on the same line. And, uh, you know, that was a problem. And then, like I said, Lina was going in and out of the lineup, and then the centers were going. I mean, you had Cole Sillinger, who was 19 years old, had a good rookie season, but last season was pretty much awful. 
he was center in the line at some point. You just had guys coming in and out. And so you never really saw what line A and Goudreau could do if they had a good center. And so it ended up that at points, line A was on the second line and Goudreau was on the first. So that's one thing they've got to figure out. I'm sure Mike Babcock will do a lot of his due diligence and figure out whether they need to play together or split them up again. Is the buzz around Goudreau entering season two the same level as it was freshly when he signed and kind of shocked both both markets and I guess maybe even the hockey world when he opted, one, not to come back to Calgary, and two, choosing his destination in Columbus? I think it's, it's, it's died down a little bit. The one thing that's overshadowed him, well, two things, Babcock and Fantilli. I mean, when you hear about Fantilli and you hear he's the second-best player behind Bedard and then the Blue Jackets – realized in the second to last game of the season they probably lost the chance to get him in the draft and then you know a month later they were able to draft him uh, i mean the, the buzz around fantilly probably overhyped i mean there's going to be a lot of pressure on him to do something so i think johnny's been in the background and he probably likes it a little bit better that way you mentioned adam fantilly what was the reaction from an organizational perspective when he doesn't go at number two and is suddenly available at number three well, I think the Blue Jackets, a big sigh of relief, happiness that they did not explain, have to explain why they were taking Carlson or Will Smith. You know, that was a big thing. Well, yeah, we know we've been talking about Fantilli. Everybody's been talking about Fantilli. But these other two guys are really good, too. They didn't have to go through that. So I think, you know, they were just ecstatic to get him. And the fact that they've had great success with Michigan players, I mean, they just keep bringing them in and they keep form- performing well. Um it's been a great addition, and the fans here, even though we're in a high state territory, they love these Michigan players here now. I was going to say, who do you think over the course of the last, what is it, July 28th, so we'll go last month, who sold more jerseys in Columbus, Fantilli or Goudreau? <laughs> um, I don't even know if the fan, I assume the Fantilli jersey has been out. I would say probably Fantilli. Um, is he? I, I will say this, they had it. They had a development camp you know, about a month ago, and the fans were coming out and packing the arena there. And there were a lot of Michigan jerseys there and a lot of Fantilli Michigan jerseys. So, I mean, the fans were coming out. To, you know, obviously, Goo Grove's not there at the development camp, but the fans really were into Fantilli. So, yeah, I'd, I'd say probably Fantilli right now has the, has the edge. Where do you expect he'll slot, at least to start this season? Is he going to be number one C? Are they going to shelter him a little bit? Are they going to maybe play him a little lower down the lineup so they can give him more favorable matchups? Or is he going to be a guy that is sent in head first to be the number one guy, be the guy that faces the tough matchups, and, and sort of bring him along that way? I think two, three, possibly two. Um, I think right now you might have Boone Jenner starting out at center, number one spot. Uh, Goudreau, and again, if they go with line A, they played there somewhat last year together when all were healthy. So, yeah, I don't think they're going to start him on the number one slot, but they're willing to give him the chance to earn that spot. I mean, they're not going to say coming in, you know, well, he's just a rookie, let's just play him down. If he's ready to do it, he'll get that spot. But I think ideally they'd like to see him start at probably number two, three possibly, but I think two, three would be good for him to begin the season with. Craig Mers, NHL.com independent correspondent in Columbus, joins us down the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. You mentioned a few of the younger names that I'm very curious about, and let's start up at forward. Who are you expecting the most growth from season over season between the likes of Ken Johnson and Kirill Marchenko? And you even mentioned Cole Sillinger in there as well. Yeah, Cole's is Cole's a strange one. Everybody forgets, as an 18-year-old two seasons ago, 
he played like a 21, 22-year-old. Last year, the 19-year-old, he played like an 18-year-old. So they've got to get him figured out. You know, they sent him down to Cleveland in the AHL at the end of the season. So he's one to get really – he's a wild card right now. I think Ken Johnson, boy, this guy's got so much talent and skill. Still needs to put on a few pounds um, and be a little bit more physical. But he's got a lot of growth potential. But Marchenko, we saw in the preseason and in development camp last year at this time – how good he could be. Now he spent the first two months of the season in Cleveland, still end up nearly with 20 goals. So I think he's one that people are going to pay a lot of attention to this season, see how much he can grow and develop his game as well. He's got to be a little bit better at both ends of the ice at the other end of the ice, excuse me. But yeah, I think he's one that people are really excited about. How much does the growth of the team hinge on two or three of those guys finding the next level? Yeah, I mean, I, I was a little surprised, and maybe Yarmo, knowing him, he's going to pull off something else here in the next few weeks. I thought, you know, like an extra forward, another veteran forward. He doesn't seem to be leaning towards that right now. So, again, yeah, you're going to have to have some of these young guys come through for him. Johnson, Sillinger, a guy named Igor Chinikov, who showed some progress last season. Alexander Texier, who really been gone for almost two seasons. You talk about Wierenski and adding him in addition. Texier has been gone for nearly two years, played last season in, in France when he was in Columbus two seasons ago. He was our best forward for the first 25, 30 games of the season. He's still only about 24 years old. Another one of these young players that they're really counting on this season. Yeah, you mentioned Texier. I'm kind of curious about his situation and, and how eager the organization is to have him back in Columbus. As you mentioned, he spent time over in Europe last season. What's it mean to have a player of his caliber come back? Well, I think he's another one that can come in and maybe a second power play for him, has a lot of skill, doesn't mind getting dirty going into the corner. So that's a guy that uh, really, now that he's played, you know, about two and a half, not even three full seasons for the Blue Jays, plus playing in Europe, he's sort of a veteran presence for him now that can help out some of the younger players as well. But he's got a really good shot, good skater, and uh, you know, that's one of the players that were missing last year. They had so many injuries that they didn't have any depth and they could have really used him last season you mentioned this individual off the top and i'm wondering how realistic it is to expect him playing on october 7th or whenever the columbus blue jackets happen to kick off their season david yurichek he's one of hockey's top prospects one of the top blue line prospects in the world and one columbus isn't short on quality blue chip blue line prospects but what do you see yeah. the odds of david yurichek starting the season with the columbus blue jackets I will say 66%, two to one. I think he's. I think he's got a great shot at making the team. I, re- I really do. The way he performed last year, I mean, he's only had four games at the NHL level, but you could just tell he, the kid's got poise. He knows what he's doing out there. That's great vision. Doesn't get rattled. Has a really good shot. I mean, there's another guy that can be used on the power play. Um, so, yeah, I think he has a really good shot of making the team. Like I said, they're not going to put – like Fantilli, they're not going to put the pressure on him early to be maybe on the number one pairing with Warinsky. But at some point, he's going to be up there with them. What's the overall vibe in Columbus about the potential of the blue line? You mentioned him. You've got Corson Kulamins, Denton Matejchuk, uh, Stanislav Svazel. The list kind of goes on and on in terms of those quality yeah. blue chippers on the, on the back end there. Is the, is the vibe in the organization that this team, as good as the prospect talent they have up front, they're really excited about how they're going to be able to defend in a couple of years' time as well? 
Yeah, you know, and you have Adam Bolkris, who's been up and down with him, been a mm-hmm. bit of a disappointment, gets injured a lot. You have Andrew Peake, who's been around now for four seasons, and, you know, he's still a steady five, six defenseman for him. So they feel like now and in the next two to three years, they're going to be in prime position and actually use some of these defensemen's assets to get other, other players into the organization. So I think they feel really good about it. But, again, there's potential and then there's reality, and so we have to see that out of these young players. What gives you hope, just to sort of bring bring this conversation full circle, what gives you hope that this team is drastically improved to the point where this year they're able to jump a couple spots in the Metro and then in a year's time will be able to compete again for a playoff spot, whether that's a divisional spot or a wild card? Well, I think one became with Babcock. Like I said, he's worth a lot of points just off the bat. He's going to have control of the room. He's going to run practices the way they should be run. I mean, there's just there's going to be more accountability. So, number one, that's him. Two, uh, and you have to say injuries. I don't like when people say you can't use injuries as an excuse. Injuries are an actual fact. And they had problems last year with, again, 560-some games. They lost Jake Voracek. People forget they lost him for an entire season as well before he was traded. So just those two things alone is going to make this team better. If they can get anywhere near healthy again and then and then the defense is much better and then we have to talk about the goaltending and that's really a key but the defense is going to be better but what about the guys stopping the puck elvis merzlikin boy i mean uh, there's a lot of people in columbus whether have would rather have Jonas corpusile than elvis merzlikins right now and i say i can't disagree with him elvis has not been good he's been shaky ever since his freshman season rookie season so they need him they have daniel Derisov is a backup who is very inexperienced. They have no veteran at a number three spot in Cleveland or anywhere in the organization. That's something that's got to be addressed before the season starts. Is this team only going to go as far as Elvis will take them then? And does Tarasov have any starting potential at all at this stage? He's, he's young, he's only 24, not super experienced, but is he a guy that can step in? You mentioned they don't have anybody really behind those two. I'll tell you, it's... Three years ago, people, even Elvis off his first season in the NHL, people were saying that Tarasov was the best goalie in the organization when Corpus Allo was there. And, and so you know, I think he's really got potential. And I don't think, you know, this is a clean slate for Mike Babcock. If Elvis isn't performing, damn his contract, you know, still has four years left. Whoever is playing best is going to be in the goal form. If it's Tarasov steals it from Merzlikin, then it's better for the Blue Jackets. So I think there's actually a, going to be a competition. Elvis will be in there, I think, at the beginning if he does well in the preseason. But I think Tarasov will push him if Elvis isn't there. But, yeah, you're right. I think this team, everything we talked about, better offense, better defense, but the goalies have got to come through for him, and Elvis has got to do the job. Craig, really appreciate the time on a Friday night. This was great stuff. I'm super curious about the next steps for the Columbus Blue Jackets. They have arguably, again, the the top U23 pool in the NHL. We'll see how that translates. They've already got some high-quality skill um, that fits more of the uh, NHL veteran age. Really appreciate the time on a Friday. Thank you so much. This is awesome. Thanks, Aaron. That was Craig Murs, independent correspondent for NHL.com out of Columbus. He joined us down the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. The Atlas Pizza guest hotline is brought to you by Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, 15-time Consumer's Choice Award winner at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344. We're coming at you live, live from Adrenaline Source for Sports, 9309 McLeod Trail Southwest. We're down here celebrating Bauer Vapor's 25th birthday. It's Hype Fest. 
This place has been slammed with people coming in, sort of checking out the sticks, checking out the skates, checking out the gear, renovated store, the team store on the far side. I'm looking at it right now. All the local teams here in Calgary, you want to come in and check it out, support your local hockey community. It's been a great time here. There's tons of people here ready to help you out. If you're picking out skates, sticks, whatever apparel, Bauer Vapors 25th birthday, Hype Fest, come on down. Going on all weekend, prizes, you name it, come on down. Around the corner, though, we're going to continue the fun at Hype Fest with the guy that is probably the most hype when it comes to his golf game. Wes Gilbertson, Flames Talk family member, around the corner on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. This is Sportsnet Today with Aaron Vickers on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Welcome back to Sportsnet Today. Aaron Vickers along with you on the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit Calgary Lock and Safe. Dot com. This is going to be a fun way to close out a Friday. Joining us down the Atlas Pizza Sports guest hotline is Flames Talk family member, arguably the second best golfer in this conversation, and score golf's own Wes Gilbertson. Wes, I want you to know that I'm coming at you live from Adrenaline Source for Sports, 9309 McLeod Trail Southwest. We're down here celebrating Bauer Vapor's 25th pardon me, birthday. It's Hype Fest. And I was just curious, before we get into some golf talk, is there anything I can scoop you up for your hockey game? I know new Hyperlite 2 skates are out, perhaps. It's the quickest skate on the ice. Maybe we can help you become a bigger threat in all situations. Anything I can do to help your game of hockey? You know, buddy, my game of hockey needs everything, starting with uh, skill, uh, which I don't believe you can pick up off the shelf, but uh, then right through basically every set or every piece of equipment in my bag is probably 10 years outdated. So I, I should be an easy guy to shop for, just whatever uh, whatever looks good to you. Okay, well, after we've done this conversation, just text me your credit card number, and I'll go shopping, and I'll literally drop it off at your door for you. Yeah, well, I know, I know we have some important stuff to get to, but this is, like, what's impressing me so far is I didn't know you had your own Sportsnet Today intro. That's impressive. Oh, the jealousy is real. I can see you turning green just from here. I know I'm down here on McLeod Trail. You're down in west, southwest Calgary, wherever you are. You've only invited me over to your place once. I don't know how to get there, but I can see you green with envy, bud. Well, envy is a, a, a good word for it, too. But if you, uh, if, you know, maybe pick me up some uh, hockey gloves that still have the palm in them, and uh, we'll call it even. Sounds good. Well, I know I'm not going to be able to help your golf game, but bring me up to speed. What do you got going on this weekend on the links? Because I know you're going to be playing at least two rounds. I'm actually not playing golf this weekend. But I I am playing uh, with a good buddy of mine on Monday uh, up at Sundry, which is one of my favorite... uh, favorite little jaunts always to to go up there it's uh it's always an amazing condition it's a really fun course so uh monday at sundry tuesday at the winston which is celebrating its 100th anniversary this season uh go uh, you know probably put a couple balls in the water on 17 home of the island green and uh then we'll see where the week goes from there Okay, well, I'm going to hit you with some rapid-fire questions, but first I, I need to know some details because you're world-famous for your ability to work with Pat Steinberg on Flames Talk. 
You're a little lesser known for your work at Post Media. And then you've got the score golf thing. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I, uh, A, I do a little bit of freelance writing for score golf, which is awesome. I love writing about golf. Uh, I love covering it for post media in the city, but love kind of the broader look uh, for score golf magazine. And then, and especially timely, I'm very proud to be on the top 100 panel, um, the panel of Raiders across the country that vote on the top 100 courses in Canada and the top 59 public courses. And as a matter of fact, those are just being rolled out right now. So the latest the latest list of the top 59 public courses, I think they've revealed up to number 20 or, or, or number 21, a couple more days to go on their uh, their daily reveals. And that's always fun, obviously, as someone who contributes to the panel to see what ranks where. And, and we're super spoiled in this area, um, you know, with Banff Springs and with Jasper just up the road, Stewart Creek, Grey Wolf, both courses of Kananaskis. Like, there's a lot of courses that always rank among the best public courses in Canada, and that's, uh, it's pretty cool to have those in our backyard. I might see if I can fire up the text line here at 960-960 if the fans, the listeners, have a question or two for Wes Gilbertson as it pertains to golf. Maybe a slide in a flames question there, too. We'll see if we can get into it. But I am going to hit you with some straight rapid fire I want you to give me your answer, the first one that pops to mind when I ask these. We'll do them real quick. We'll do them real rapid fire. But first and foremost, your favorite par three. Are we talking Calgary and area here? Yeah, let's keep it local. We may as well do that. Okay. Well, I'm an ultimate fence sitter, but I'm going to try and narrow these down to one for you. This isn't very rapid fire, Wes. Favorite par three a little bit biased because it's my hometown, uh, 16 at Links of Glen Eagles. That's fair. I uh, I just played there not two days ago, and to nobody's surprise in my threesome, bunkered it. Does that sound about right based on your, your knowledge of my game? Yeah, uh, left bunker, I'm guessing. <laughs> You're a jerk. <laughs> I should I should preface this to anybody listening. Wes and I are very good buddies. He was he was in he was at my wedding. Um, hang out with him far too much. So if it sounds like we're we're kind of giving each other the gears back and forth, we certainly are. It's a hundred percent accurate. And when he hit me with the left bunker, he knows exactly where my ball went. Um, a follow up question to that: How many swings did it take to get out of that bunker, Wes? Ah, uh, you know, buddy, I'm gonna go with three. Well, see, it was under. It was only two. So. There you go. Okay. Uh, well, favorite. We might, we might we might be due for a round. It sounds like you're improving. Well, hey, um, just officially, and I was going to get there, but since you jumped the gun, uh, I do believe that the last time that we played a round under our regular rules, it, it was me who won and you who had to buy the beer. That's that that is correct. I I'm not going to try to deny that, although I and, will. And point we don't. Out no, we don't even need to get into the rules or stipulations. Rules. Yeah, our regular rules are you taking a combination of way too many strokes and mulligans. So uh, we might have to refine those. Fair enough. Uh, quickly, back-to-back, give me your uh, favorite par fours and par fives. Oh, my, well, my favorite par four is easy. I was fortunate enough earlier this week, actually, to play Calgary Golf and Country Club. 18 at Calgary Golf and Country Club, hanging over the Elbow River, is the best hole in Calgary, hands down. Uh, 
par five, you know, I, this wouldn't be your favorite par five because the fairway is not the size of McMahon Stadium. But Oof. I'm going to go with number seven at, at Darcy Ranch in Oaks Oaks. It is uh, running right up the, the valley, super skinny. It uh, is my favorite for sure. Okay, this one's going to be tough because there's probably going to be about 35 potential answers. Given the proximity of where we are, we, we're blessed with beautiful courses uh, in and around Calgary and west towards Banff. Just curious, what is the go-to hole? What is the signature hole that this area has to offer in terms of being in the mountains? Oh, my God. Uh yeah, 35. I'm not even sure I could narrow it down to just that many. So let me, I'm going to rapid fire a few for you. Uh, Devil's Cauldron is the easy answer at Fairmont Banff Springs. If you haven't played that par three, it might be the signature hole for golf in the mountains, period. Uh, just across the border, cliffhanger at Grey Wolf, number six. Uh, second tee shot at Silvertip, looking at the three sisters. Oh my God, hole nine at Stewart Creek. Hole four at Kananaskis Mount Kid. How how did I do? Is that like five so far? Let's let's go with those five. Okay, well, um, I didn't originally have this rapid fire question on the list, but how many rounds would you say you play annually? <laughs> Seventy. What I think I'll take the under or the oh, sorry, I'll take the over on that number. I think you're selling yourself a little bit short, but Okay, I might be. But uh let I'm I'm not to seventy yet, so let's keep working on it. All right, fair enough. Hardest opening hole in Cal... And I don't want this to be what would be the hardest hole for Aaron Vickers, just generally the hardest opening hole, because we know any hole with water is automatically going to be my hardest hole. I can see it 20 yards away or 200 yards away. I'm finding a way to find the water. Um, So just generally speaking, the hardest opening hole in Calgary. Cool. Like, have you and I played wintergreen together? I don't believe so. Okay, you could not make less than a 10 on the first hole at Wintergreen. <laughs> like so, me specifically or just generally? You specifically. I specifically I'm gonna, I'm, asked you not to not to out me on this one. I, I Like, I'm going to throw that out there. That is by far the most intimidating first tee shot in the Calgary area, number one at Wintergreen. Like, straight hardest opening hole. It's probably yep. number one at the Winston or maybe Inglewood, but... Wintergreen is by far like you you start to get scared of the first hole at Wintergreen on your drive out there. I I get afraid of every initial tee shot on any <laughs> hole. Doesn't need to be number one. Um, I'm okay, gonna go to enough. the text line because there's a very curious question here. Ask Wes what he thinks about the one iron I have in my old bag. Oh, I have I have just a tremendous amount of respect for anyone who can hit a one iron. Uh, no, I don't think he said he could hit it. It was just, it's there. You know what? If you, if you have the cajones to carry a one iron, mucho respect. Fair enough. Let's go to this one again. This is, this is for the listeners. This isn't a, um, let's fire a barb at the host here. What one hole do you always think you should birdie and never do? Okay, you and I have definitely played this one together. Hole 14 at Shaganapi is like, I don't know, 115 yards downhill. Oh. Some 
awesome view of the Calgary Tower and the downtown skyline in the background. Like, it should be really easy, and I'm not even sure I've ever parred it. So that's the one for me. Mm, I'm going to hit you with three quick ones. Okay. Favorite city-run municipal course, best value for Calgary area golfers, and the most underrated. And some of those might tie together. That's why I, I looped them together. If you got three separate sure. answers, by all means. Well, my favorite city course is Shaganapi. Uh, any of the city courses are awesome value. But beyond that, I, I've been saying for a long time, I think the best value in the Calgary area is Darcy Ranch. <sighs> most underrated, was that the last one? Yeah. You know, with all the work that they've done in the last two years to um, renovate the greens and and everything else that goes with it out there, I think Redwood Meadows. It's always been underrated, but now I would say Redwood Meadows, if you haven't been in the last couple of years, is even better than you remember it before. So you really should go back. Fair enough. This, I'm going to lump two together again, and these will okay. be different answers, but they're tied together. You're planning a golf day trip. Where are you going? And you're planning a golf weekend trip. Where are you going? Cool. Okay, golf day trip. I think I already said I'm going to uh, Sundry on Monday, so that yep. one's top of mind for me. I, this is, I, I try to go to Sundry every year. I would throw this one out there, too, for any Calgarians who haven't done this day trip. Dinosaur Trail in Drumheller is super cool. It's really hard. Take extra golf balls, especially if it's windy. The back nine is going to um, be difficult on your ego. But just to be up in that bad land, is, it is so unique. It is so different than anything that you've ever played, that back nine. So, so I'd throw that one on the list. Weekend trip, I'm, there's so many good ones around, but I'm probably still partial to Invermere. I would say the... The Grey Wolf Copper Point duo is is just top notch for me. I, I love the area, and so I always try to do a weekend out there whenever I can. This isn't going to be a rapid fire, but I'm just curious: how many years have you, have you been doing the score golf thing? Oh, probably about twelve now. Okay, so over the course of those twelve, and I'm, I mean, you've been golfing for longer than twelve years, but I'm just, I'm just curious: what's the most distinctly Calgary golf experience you've had over the course of either your professional—I was going to call you professional career. I guess that's technically true. Let's not let that one go to your head. But whether it be your professional career, quote unquote, or or just getting out there and having a little bit of fun. Well, I like the way you framed it as a distinctly Calgary golf experience because this is the first one that comes to mind for me. My mom's birthday is December 14th, which is why I remember the day very well. I played Fox Hollow on December 14th, temporary greens. Uh, I think every diehard Calgary golfer has played Fox Hollow in December, January, February maybe on temporary greens, one of those days that's just seasonably warm for that time of year and that to me is the most distinctly calgary golf experience you can get okay and on the on the i don't know if it's the flip side the opposite side the craziest thing you've witnessed covering golf in calgary Whew. okay uh let me give you two i think the obvious one everyone remembers to be beside the 18th green at candy meadows when fred couples chipped in for the course record and to force a playoff uh, at the Shaw Charity Classic in 2014. It would have been the second Shaw Charity Classics. 
that was really cool. So couples uh, chips in for Eagle at 18 to shoot 61 and then beat Billy Mayfair, I want to say, in the playoffs. That was really cool. And then uh, I think it was actually the same year they had a PGA Tour Canada event at Sirocco. And there's a guy named Brady Schnell. He's played a little bit on the PGA Tour. I'm not sure what he's up to these days. I haven't seen his name recently, but he might still be playing out there. Uh, I was covering this event at Sirocco, and he's having a, a great round. He just needs a birdie to shoot 60. And we're standing by the ninth green. He started on hole 10. And he sinks a wedge from about 130, 140 yards to shoot 59. Uh, that was probably the craziest thing I've witnessed on a golf course, period. Wes Gilberson of Post Media and Score Golf joining us down the Atlas, Atlas Pizza Sports Guest Hotline. I love that you mentioned the Shaw Charity Classic. Um, we're starting to see more and more names trickle out for the event this year. There's going to be four more announced on Monday. Uh, the list just all grows year over year, and it just becomes a bigger and bigger event. How is that the highlight in terms of coverage for you over the course of the summer, having the, uh, the Shaw Classic roll through? Yeah, for sure. And, and I'll say... Uh, both of these next two summers, it's, it's almost like twice as good. We've got the Shaw, obviously. The Shaw's coming up, uh, I believe, August 18th to 20th. Always at Canyon Meadows. Always awesome to watch. Always sets a record for largest charitable give in PGA Tour Champions history. Also, there's a PGA Tour Canada. Actually, their season-ending championship is going to be at Country Hills later this summer. And then next summer, we'll have the Shaw again. Uh, but we're going to have the CP Women's Open, um, the you know the LPGA Tour's equivalent of the RBC Canadian Open at Earl Grey. Uh, a really cool private course on the edge of the Glenmore Reservoir. You can hear the train whistle from Heritage Park and, and all that jazz there. It, it's going to be just a really good challenge, I think, for that event. It's close you know, similar to what makes Canyon Meadows such a great host for the Shaw. It's easy to get to, you know, Brooke Henderson, Lexi Thompson, you name them, all the biggest stars on the LPGA Tour are going to be there, and that's going to be an awesome event as well. So these next two summers, we're kind of spoiled because we get a couple of good ones. How have you seen these annual Calgary events grow and how the, the Calgary community, both sports fans, golf fans, general general public, how have you seen the the local community embrace these events well i'll tell you because i travel a decent amount to play golf or or travel a lot i should say to play golf and and calgary has a reputation as a city that absolutely loves golf and i hear about it from you know from head pros at, at courses in different parts of the world especially in sort of the warmer places let's say in the southern u.s where you can play golf in, in the middle of winter and and what I would say is that everything I've seen with the with the Shaw Charity Classic and, and other events that roll through Calgary have sort of, you know, basically proven that to be true. This city absolutely loves golf, loves watching it. You know, the appeal of getting to go to the Shaw Charity Classic and see Fred Couples or see John Daly, Tom Watson was there one year. You know, Mike Weir is a regular. Stephen Ames, who lived in this city for almost 20 years, is a regular. The, the caliber of golf that being played at these events is obviously so high, but the way that Calgary supports them, 
you know, you hear the PGA Tour champions players talk about how it feels like a major because the crowds are so big. And, and so I, I don't know that I, I've necessarily seen anything different over the years. It's just whenever there's a big event in the city, you know golf fans are really going to support the heck out of it. With the Shaw Charity Classic coming, what's your take on the Shaw Charity Classic shootout at the Meadows Glow in the Dark contest? Big draw is it'll be $15,000 donating to participating charity of the winner's choice. Among the participants, Wes Gilbertson, Aaron Vickers, Cami Kepke of, of Global, uh, we got Maddie Rose, uh, Derek Wills of Sportsnet. Uh, Perry Bears and the Snyder Brothers, Lisa Longball, Jake Bean, Jesse Lumsden, some of the names that will be participating in the event. How long are you lasting, Mr. Gilbertson? And between the two of us, who will go the furthest? Well, you know, we know some people, so what if we just uh, made a little friendly wager and um, faced each other in the first round? Do you think, do you think, <laughs> Why? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm very confident, clearly, that uh, I was not expecting that's the route you were going to go there. Um, I'm I mean, game. If, you, do, you, you, okay. don't, you don't get to call me out on, on Sportsnet today and not have me answer the bell, sir. So, yes, okay. we, will, we will make that happen, and one of us will be extremely disappointed to have some beverages soon after missing the green. You know, I, I think this is perfect. Instead of me, you know, speculating about who would go further, because let's let's be honest, I've never seen the second round of this thing in my life. <laughs> Instead of speculating about who will advance further at what is always a great event, you know, we'll see if we can pull some strings and uh, loser buys the beers. I am 100% on board with that. I look forward to continuing your streak of never advancing beyond the first round. Wes, thanks so much for taking some time out on a Friday afternoon to chat some golf. Let's, uh, let's set up a tee time here soon. Yeah, let's do it. Have an awesome weekend, buddy. Thank you. That's Wes Gilbertson of Post Media and Score Golf joining us down the Atlas Pizza guest hotline. This has been the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Ask how a restricted key system can keep your business safe, even through employee turnover. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com. We're down here at Adrenaline Source for Sports. Big Bauer event going on all weekend. Prizes, uh, launching of new lines, Hyperlite 2 skates. You got to get down here and see this place. It's been completely renovated. There's a new team store to support all the local Calgary community, hockey communities. It's uh, it's fantastic. This is by far my number one sports store. Apologies to the rest, but when I get to go, come through the doors, play with some goalie gear, pick up some sticks, hit the stick zone. You name it, I'm here. This place has everything. Be sure to come down on the McLeod Trail Southwest. Uh, this has been the sports drive this has been Sportsnet today joined by outstanding producers cam and taylor special thanks this hour to our guests again wes gilbertson of post media and score golf and craig mers of nhl.com thanks to outstanding producers again cam and taylor they're great they're able to make sure that we can pull off this remote flawlessly they're back at the doug lacy's basement systems downtown studios up next on Sportsnet, the toronto blue jays square off against the los angeles angels kevin gossman's going for the jays lucas giolito is going for the angels But in terms of us and Sportsnets today, that's it. Thanks for listening to Sportsnets today, and we'll catch you next week.